My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach. And uh, today I'm going to talk about this guy named Barabbas. Anybody know who Barabbas is? Okay. Um, Alan thought he was somebody else. <laughs> Not really, but anyway, long story. I don't have time to go into it. Uh, but it was kind of funny. I just wanted to say it. Uh, and so today, leading up, so from, from next Sunday on, we're, we're in Luke. So if you're reading uh, the one-year Bible with us, we started Luke this week. And we're going to, I think, if I, if I looked at it correctly, um, Easter Sunday morning is la- actually the resurrection in Luke. So we're going to spend the next few Sundays um, leading up to Easter, talking through and leading up to the resurrection, which is going to be amazing. And uh, on a side note, uh, we are going to have two services Sunday morning of Easter last year, we were jam-packed in here and had no room, so we're going to run two services, uh, which we'll give you details on that later. Uh, but today, I, I was reading, finished up in Mark this week, and, and I just hit this story of Barabbas, and, I, and I just, it, just, it just hit me. And so I'm going to do my best to help prime the pump uh, for us in here for uh, the coming season of Easter, which is resurrection, which is the whole joy, the whole purpose of what we celebrate and who we are comes out of this season. But before I get there, let's pray, because I'm going to talk about near-death experiences, and we need to pray before that happens. Heavenly Father, it is by your grace and mercy uh, that we are here this morning. Lord, you have placed every one of us in this room for a specific reason. And Lord, we ask, I ask right now, that you would, through your word, And through your spirit, do in us what we are incapable of doing, which is giving us life, giving us joy, giving us a zeal for your kingdom and for your glory. And Lord, we need you for that. We need you to speak in and through your word. Lord, I pray where I'm insufficient, Lord, that you would be sufficient for that purpose. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um. I was 17 years old. I was not a seatbelt wearer back then. This story fixed that. So this is not like don't wear seatbelts. This is a wear seatbelt story. I was 17 years old, and uh, it was December 23rd, and I was going to get a haircut because that's what you do on December 23rd, getting ready for Christmas. Not really. I don't know why it was then, but I was going to get a haircut. And um, for those from our hometown, I was living in Carthage at the point, and then I was going to Southern Pines to get a haircut. And on the way there, I loved to speed on this back road. So I would, I would veer out of Carthage, and I'd go on this side road where I could go whatever speed limit, speed I wanted to because there was no limit um, on this road. And my dad wasn't very happy with me doing that, but, you know, you could skip some traffic. And this is not a message for you to speed either. You'll figure out why in a second. Uh, it had been raining a little bit that morning, and so I was driving a 1987 Geo Spectrum. Yeah, ladies. <laughs> vinyl floorboards, vinyl seats, five speeds. Because you needed it to get moving with that. You're going to get everything you could out of first and second. Man, you had these things in your door that you could use like this to roll up and down your window. You didn't have to worry about the electric going out. You didn't have to worry about that button not working because you had this right here. It did have a radio, though. Two speakers up front. Woo! Well, that morning I was in my car. I wasn't wearing my seatbelt because, you know, I was young and dumb and, you know, didn't really think I needed that thing. And it, you know, it just was uncomfortable. 
And I took my little side road. There was no one I was trying to get around, which is usually why I went the side road. Um, but, you know, I just I was forced to have it. And I went that side road, and that side road had two little little S curves, and then it's straight away where you could really push, you know, the limits of the geospectrum. Literally, I think my odometer stopped at 85. Uh, and it went faster than 85. I'm just going to tell you that. Um, and so around the first corner, um, there was little puddles of water. Water had been raining a little bit, and my tires uh, hit the puddle, and I lost traction. And my car, from going straight in the lane, started to twist in the, in the road. And in these, and this probably only took like 45 seconds, but in this 45 seconds, I was conscious enough to know, you ain't got your seatbelt on. And I literally, I don't know about if you know this, but once your brakes lock up, your seatbelt doesn't work. So mid-steer, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and at this point, so I'm going this way down the road. At this point, I'm looking into trees, and I'm like, I'm going to die. This is why you get sprinkled at 16, because you're going right into the trees. For those that don't know that story, you get it now. Um, I'll tell you later. And and so literally, you know, it, it my seatbelt wasn't working, and so I grabbed the steering wheel and was like, here we go. And thank the Lord when I went off the road, it, there was not thank the Lord for this, but thank the Lord when I went off the road, there was a six foot embankment and that embankment, instead of shooting me straight into the woods, kind of turned me back a little bit. And I went off the six foot embankment, slid down and slid into a tree and came stopped um, with the roof of my car um, down when they righted the car, could not sit in my seat and have headroom. Like, so it slid into a tree, and I'm sitting there, still holding the steering wheel. Didn't pee myself, though. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> Dry as a bone. <laughs> Probably because it's early. I didn't drink anything that morning. Um, like water. Just, just in case you're wondering. I was 17, people. Um, and, you know, so I'm like, okay, you know, I need to get out of the car, because if you've watched enough movies, you're like, Cars explode sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, get out of the car. Several of the windows had um, busted out. When it hit the tree, it busted out the windows. And so I climbed out of the car, and my heart is pounding like a mile a minute. And the crazy part is, this is a road that not many people use. This is not like a road that somebody would have seen me immediately. <laughs> Just build a time that perfectly. Um, it's fine. It's fine. So I'm like, oh, hey, guys. Um, and so I'm sitting there. I get out of the road, and I look down. And so the car, six-foot embankment, the, the bottom of my car was the only thing you could see from the road. But on the, if you're driving, if you would have been driving down that road, which, remember, it's the 23rd of December, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of traffic. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock in the morning. And all you would have seen is the under of my car, which fit in really nicely with the um, foliage that's around there. So it was dark. You know, there, you wouldn't have seen me. So if I'd have been injured or pinned in my car, dead, period. Just because no one would have ridden by. No, I ran the mile to the gas station because, um, you know, I need to call my dad. That's what you do when you wreck a car. Uh, and I ran to the gas station. There was a pay phone. Remember those people, you know, you put coins in, you hit buttons. and they, Okay. Um, you young kids, you don't know what a pay phone is. 
And so I didn't have any change in my pocket. So I went inside and I said, hey, can I use your phone? She's like, oh, there's a payphone out there. And I'm like, I have no patience at this point. I'm like, probably almost in tears. I'm like, I just wrecked my car to the ditch down the road. I just ran here. I just need to call my father. And so she let me use the phone. I called my dad. Uh, my dad came out there. We had to call uh, the police because that's what you do too when you total loss a car uh, into a ditch, which they were nice enough. Um, probably because my dad did not write me a ticket. Um, there was no one else involved in the accident. And I say all that to say is that if you've ever been through one of those moments where you really felt like that was a close call, there's something that happens in us when we come into those close calls that we, we begin to make vows to ourselves. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read more. If you're a believer, then it's like, God, Lord, you did that for me. I now owe you my life, so I'm going to do all of these things. The problem with most of that is it doesn't last. We say those things like, Man, I'm going to enjoy like just the smell of everything because you're alive now. It's like, oh, a cloudy day with a chance of rain. You're like, oh, God's going to water the earth. I mean, everything seems better when you've had that experience until it gets normal again and you kind of go back into your mode of not appreciating, not enjoying, not savoring anything. And today, today I want to talk about this guy named Barabbas, and we don't know a whole lot about him other than the few lines that are mentioned in the Gospels that um, he's mentioned in. There's no pre-story other than we know partly what he was arrested for and why he was there and why he was condemned to death, and, and we don't know much about his after. We don't know that, you know, he left there going, you saved me. I don't know that he knew anything about Jesus. He could have been in prison the whole time waiting his execution. We don't know anything. Like we would love the rest of the story where, you know, we find out in Acts or one of the epistles that Barabbas becomes one of the next disciples because he was so appreciative of this life, that his life was rescued out of this exchange. So we don't know any of those. I'm going to speculate a little bit, but I'm not telling you what happened because we don't know. But what I do know is that our life, when we encounter the cross, should be eternally, continuously changed. It should be different. It shouldn't just be like one of those. And in most of us in this room that have had an experience where we're like, we weren't Jesus's and then we became Jesus's. And at the beginning of that, it's exciting. You read words of Jesus and you're like, these are in red. He spoke these. These are important. And, and you have all these things. You have these moments. You're like, oh, the first time you feel like God answers a prayer, you're like, favorite child. You're like, God loves me. And, and the problem with this is, is that we can continually forget about that. We can lose that joy of what has happened to us. And so what I want to do with the story of Barabbas is speculate on what it would look like for us to honestly understand that we are Barabbas. The problem with most of us in this room is that you're fairly good people. And I say fairly because none of us are truly good, none of us are truly pure, none of us don't 
need a Savior. None of us have gone, man, I'm so close that if I just do this one good deed, like God's letting me into heaven, every single one of us were on death row before Jesus. Period. So let's start. So we're going to be in Mark um, 15, verses 6 through 15. And let me lead up to this. So uh, you're familiar with the story um, of where we're at, but let me just take you there. So Jesus tells them very plainly, this is going to happen to me. They're going to take me. They're going to execute me. I am going to raise from the dead on the third day. They knew this. Peter knew that he was going to deny Jesus three times, even though he said, no, 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 no. Even if they all leave, I will not. I will die with you. And of course, he ran off. And of course, when Jesus tells you that you're going to do something, you do it. And of course, he denied himself. Jesus was taken in front of Pilate, taken in front of Herod, was accused, and most of the time remained silent. Because for the most of the, for the, the totality of why he's there is to see the cross, to get on the cross, to die for our sin. There is no Christianity without that fact. So we don't want Jesus as much as we want Jesus to be rescued from this moment. We don't want Jesus rescued from this moment. And so he's taken in there. Pilate three or four times, I think specifically in Luke, proclaims his innocence. There is nothing that I have found in this man that would condemn him to death. Herod, the same thing. There's nothing in this man that I would say that would condemn him to death. Nothing other than religious stuff that the Roman um, authority didn't care about. Like your religious disputes between each other, we don't care about. They were trying to make it look like Jesus claims to be king. And so if you claim to be king in the Roman Empire, that's bad. So they were trying to do whatever they could to condemn him. And the thing is, even what you saw in Mark is that the people conflicted, even the people that were testifying against Jesus weren't getting their stories straight. So like those that were sitting in judgment are going, how can we believe any of this? And that leads us to this moment where Pilate is trying to look for a way out. It isn't in Mark, but there's another um, one of the other gospels that actually talks about that um, Pilate's wife comes to him and tells him, have nothing to do with the death of this man. I've had a dream, have nothing to do with it. Hey, fellas, if your wife has a dream, probably should kind of listen, which I, I think Pilate tried to do the best he could. And that's partly where you get here. So in verse six, now at the time, um, now at the feast, he used to release one prisoner from whom they ask. So that was a tradition for them that around uh, the feast that they would release one of their one of the prisoners that they would say, hey, release so-and-so to us. And he would do that as a kind of kind deed. In verse 7, and among the rebels in prison who had committed murder, so this is the Barabbas, committed murder in the insurrection. There was a man called Barabbas. And in some of the early translation, his name, <laughs> he had a name before Barabbas, um, and it was Jesus. And actually, Barabbas means son of the father. I mean, there, there is, you know, and of course, the early fathers are like, that's a little confusing to have two Jesuses. 
So like today's message could be make sure you choose the right Jesus. And so here is someone that was leading an insurrection against Rome. And I I read one commentary that talked about that what could have been doing is that um, Caesar at the time put uh, his the eagle, which is the representation of him over um, in the temple or on the temple or near the temple. And part of the resurrection was in in, in to remove that because that was desecrating the temple, whether that happened or not. I don't know. But he led a revolt. He wasn't a thief. He was literally someone that participated in a riot, an insurrection against Rome, which is really what the Romans, or not the Romans, what the Jews were looking for. They were looking for a Messiah that would come and rescue and redeem them from this evil empire. In verse 8, it said, The crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do as he normally did for them. To give them a prisoner, just as normal. Verse 9, And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Pilate was half mocking them and half teasing them with this statement. In verse 4, it says, For he perceived, verse 10, For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd and gave him release to have them to have him release for them Barabbas instead. So here is in this this always baffles me. Here is the the, the chief. This is the religious elite of the day. This is the, the Jewish hierarchy who have spent their entire life understanding and looking for, understanding who the Messiah would be, and looking for the Messiah to come. They're praying for the Messiah to come. And when the Messiah comes, they're stirring the crowd to execute him. And they chose to release the proven guilty Barabbas for the proven innocent Jesus. Verse 12, and Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do with this man that you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus He delivered him to be crucified. Could you imagine? Not many of you have been on death row. Don't raise your hand. Remember when we talked about it? Pastor, that was me. Okay. Not many of us have been in that place that we're hours, if not a day, away from being executed in a horrible execution. I don't know how much you've heard about the, the... Uh, They didn't do the crucifix because one day we wanted to wear it around our neck. And it looks pretty with this little line. They did a crucifixion because it was a horrible way to die. You were literally put on a cross to suffocate yourself. You couldn't breathe and you would have to raise up. You'd have to push up on these nails in your feet and these nails in your hands so that you could draw a breath and eventually you suffocated. And if it took too long, they would take these mallets and they would break your legs so that you couldn't push up anymore and you would suffocate. 
And they're crying out, crucify him. But think, think about it. And I don't know where Barabbas was. I don't know if he was in a holding cell. I don't know if they were both standing up there waiting to see what the crowd was going to do. I, didn't know, I don't know if Barabbas was chained up. But could you imagine hearing the crowd going, they want me. They, they want me. They're picking me. And could you imagine the jailers coming over you and unchaining you and you walking down the steps into the crowd and walking away? Can you imagine what it would feel like for that? And I, I, I would love to say he appreciated the fact that Jesus took his place, which is what Jesus does for us on the cross. I would love to say that, but I cannot. But I can say for us here today that the more you understand that you are Barabbas, the more you will, you will enjoy, that you will treasure the reality that you get to walk away from the death that was yours. I believe that we would be completely different people if we lived in that place. But we don't. We forget about the goodness of God. We forget about the the sacrifice that we made. Partly because we think we're good people. We think, for the most part, I haven't really done anything. And, you know, know, if you're young enough, you may even think most of the Ten Commandments still good on. Until you get into the New Testament where Jesus talks about if you've hated someone in your heart. And I don't know many children that haven't hated another friend that has taken a toy or something. So... But the more we understand this in us, that we are this guy, that we have been set free, the more we enjoy life, the more we can live in this place of smelling the roses and enjoying life, enjoying the forgiveness that God has given us. Because he says that we forgive as we've been forgiven. So when we understand that forgiveness, we can forgive other people very easy. We can live in this place because we understand that we were literally on the chopping block, literally chained by our sin and destined to death. And Jesus was willing to pay the penalty for you. And if we live there, and I I think this is the, the joy of what we're entering into with this season, is that just like we do communion, Easter is a reminder that without the resurrection of Jesus, there is no life or hope. You are locked in your shame. You are locked in your sin, destined to die for them without Jesus. And the beauty of this is, is here is a, the first person. Now, he didn't do it by choice. It wasn't that Barabbas became a Christian because of the substitution. But Jesus is our substitute if we are believers. He's taken on our sin so that we can take on his righteousness, which is a whole other topic we talk about that a fair amount. That it is, it baffles my brain that you wake up, that you right now sitting in these chairs, if you are a son or daughter of Jesus, you're wearing his righteousness. When the Father looks at us, when the Father hears your prayers, he's not hearing the prayers of you and your sin and your bondage and your slavery. He's hearing the prayers of the Son. 
He's looking at us and it changes our reality. To appreciate the text today, you have to see yourself as Barabbas. One who without Jesus was condemned condemned to eternal death. Without the power to free yourself. But Jesus, knowing this, did all of, did for all of those who believe what they could not do for himself. See, there was no road, there was no off-ramp to the crucifixion from Jesus. The moment he stepped onto the ground, there was one single purpose. And it was the cross. And thank the Lord, thank Christ, that that was his purpose and that there would be no deterring him from that. Even as you see in the Garden of Gethsemane, which you'll see, you would already seen at this point where he's literally sweating blood, where he's praying to the Father, if, it, if there's any other way. So I think sometimes we, we forget the, the, the sliver of humanity that Christ had. It's not that he didn't feel pain. It's not that he didn't, you know, feel all the things that we felt. He he was preparing for them. He understood what he was going to. It wasn't like he was up there like, hey, guys, you know, just nail away. Or, hey, guys, just whip away. Or, hey, guys, just push that crown. Could you imagine the creation? Could you imagine being Christ? Walking among the people that he's there to slay, to save. Having such a heart and compassion for them. Could you imagine the last portion of that? That you are mocked and ridiculed and spit on. And, and, and a crown of thorns crushed down in your head. That they would literally blindfold him and punch him. And go, if you are a prophet. The one who literally knit them together in their mother's womb. He knew their names. He would just, if you are a prophet, tell us who hit you. And they mocked him up on the cross. You know, call. You saved all these other people. Call someone to bring you down from that. And even when he's crying out at the end. And the, the father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How, you know, you've forsaken me all. When he's saying this, they're like, oh, he's calling Elijah to come take him down from the cross. Could you imagine his willingness? There was nothing else that was going to deter him from that. Romans three twenty two through 26. It talks about our righteousness. It says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is why believing is important. This is why we preach the word. This is why you share with your neighbors. Because for those who do not believe and trust in Jesus, there is not salvation. This is why we don't just talk about this because it's good. We talk about this because this is life. We want to in us for all of those. We want people to believe because of this. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified justified by his grace as a gift. It is not your work. It is not your doing. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, a substitute for us, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present 
time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We don't want to just free people from what's going on. Look, every part of what we do, yes, we want to serve the poor. Yes, we want to buy gifts for the Easter egg hunt. Will those gifts save anyone in and among themselves? No. But it gives us an opportunity to talk to other people. Paul and Romans said, you know, how will they hear if people don't go? How will they hear if the word isn't preached? It is our mission. This is it. See, if we don't understand that we're Barabbas, if we don't understand that we literally were rescued from the dominion of darkness, from eternal separation from this loving God, if we don't understand that, we won't live in a place that desires to express that to other people. See, the, the, the tug of war that's going on in every one of our hearts, including me, is me or the kingdom. Is this world about me or is it about the kingdom? And that, that's going to continue. It doesn't end. It, and that's why we have to be constantly reminded about this reality that we've been set free and if you haven't been set free, here, here is the joy of it. Your only task is to know Jesus, to trust in His sacrifice, and choose to follow Him. And He substitutes your life for His on the cross. It's where our life comes from. Look, I, I, like you, have to remind myself all the time. Because I'm just as self-centered as every one of you. And, and most of you are like, oh, I'm not self-centered. Look, look. Let's just be honest. We'll manipulate other people to make it look like we're doing nice things just because we're nice. But most of the time we're doing those nice things because we want people to think nice things about us. We want people to say, oh, man, look at Heath. He just did a great thing. He is a good pat. Look at that guy. He selfishly comes here at seven o'clock before everyone else with Alan. Actually, Alan beat me this morning. He did. I'll confess that I actually got here at seven oh eight. I know I'll take my lashes. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. And, you know, I could say, oh, look, you know, I'm a senior pastor because I'm getting older, jumping from lead to senior. Uh, I'm a senior pastor here. And for the last seven and a half years, I'm here every Sunday morning. And I could go, oh, look, look, I want people to, to go, man, that he is working. You know, honestly, I do that because I enjoy it. It gives me a time to rub shoulder to shoulder with people that I don't get to see, like, if you get here at five till, like other than a hey and like how you doing and maybe a hug, like that's about the conversation that we have. But if you come for setup, you gotta hang out with me the whole time. We'll do stuff together. We might drop those lights on each other's head. He won't let it go. He won't let it go. I promise not to drop a light on your head. 
if you come and volunteer. But we could do all those things just for us. Because the Pharisees, the, the chief priests that were sitting there, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus, were doing everything in their power to demonstrate their own righteousness and goodness and glory. They were. The only ones that Jesus had an issue were, with the, were the religious people who were doing the work to earn the salvation. Look, the ones that were lost, the ones that were in sin, doing things that you shouldn't do, Jesus had compassion for because he wanted to set them free from this life of sin. But the Pharisees were sitting there saying, give us the proclaimed sinner, one who deserves death. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. And so what I want to do, I want to invite our worship team to come back up. I want to ask you some questions like we do most Sundays. Partly, and ultimately my purpose every Sunday, is life. I want to stir life in us. Because if we are experiencing the life and goodness of God, it will change our community. It will change our relationships. It will change. Just like when we talked about the greatest commandments. If we did those things, if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, we wouldn't have issue with other people. Because we, we, we would be like, all oh, you, God, we love you. So here, here's some questions for you. Are you living the Barabbas life? Like, are you, if you are a child of God, are you living in the reality that today that you have breath in your lungs, today is a day that God has given you for His purpose and His glory? Are, in, are you enjoying life because you understand what you've been freed from, what you've been set free of, who you have contact with? Realizing the gift of life that you receive through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Are you living in that reality? And here's one with a little twist which I mentioned earlier. Have you chose to follow the correct Jesus? I think sometimes, let's just be honest, we choose the Jesus that we want to follow, not the other way around. Meaning we, we, we choose and assemble the Jesus, the Savior that we want, and we follow to a T that made-up fictional character. Because the real Jesus becomes Lord and Savior. The real Jesus, when he speaks of these things that we read in our Bibles, he becomes our master. Our, our, our mythical Jesus, this Jesus that we create, we get to really do whatever we want, and he's there like a genie in the bottle trapped inside of this thing that when we go and pray, he must respond because he's our slave. And we wouldn't say that. 
But have you chosen to follow the right Jesus? And here's a little statement that I found. See, the father had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. For those who trust and believe in Jesus, that's how he looks at you right now. Right now, sitting here in this room, he looks at you through the lens of his son that did these things for you, that set you free. And he wants you to stay in that place. He wants you to understand that life in him is real life. And so what I would like to encourage as we go into this last song is just prepare yourself. I mean, people do. And I know you're thinking, you know, depending on what your tradition you grew up with and, you know, Ash Wednesday and and Lent and all these other things, all of those things were created to be a reminder for us. And so here's ours as, as reach. This is your reminder that we're approaching to a date that we're going to celebrate as the resurrection of our Savior. And let's use this season for what it should be. As a reminder that we are able to enjoy the goodness of God right now because of the sacrifice of His Son. So, wherever you find yourself this morning, we have a Jesus that understands. We have a Jesus that has experienced every single emotion and hurt and pain that you have experienced. We have a Jesus that was mocked by his creation. He understands your emotion. And right now he sits beside the Father interceding for us. And so if if things aren't going like you like, if you aren't living like Barabbas, meaning you aren't living in that place of going, I have been set free and this life is the life that I'm going to appreciate. If you're not living there, have a conversation with the Father. Confess that to Him and say, God, I want to serve You. I want to live in this place and choose to begin to change things so that that would be a reflection of your decision. And here's the beauty of all of that. The only way that we stay in this place, just like we said last week, with the only way we stay living in this great commandment is surrounding ourselves with people that also want to live in this lifestyle of going, I want to be like, I want to every day be acknowledged. And and some of the great ways to do that is um, being connected to a war group. If you're a lady, you're not connected to one, find one of the ladies and say, how do I get connected to that? Get connected with ladies that you get encouraged and spurred on. You get in the Word together. If you're a guy in two weeks on the 31st, come to Man to Man. Get connected with other men. Come get involved in community groups where you can do life with other people because we need each other. Because we're hiders. We're self-deceivers. We need people to look us in the eye and go, how are you living? Who are you worshiping? Who are you following? How are you doing that? We need those people in our life. Let's pray. Jesus, we 
will easily find ourselves in a place of devaluing your sacrifice. Devaluing the cross. Lord, I pray right now that through your Holy Spirit, you would allow us to understand the gravity, the weight of what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see and feel what Barabbas felt in that moment of being released. And Lord, we want to choose you to be our Savior, to be our King, to be our Father, to be our friend. And Lord, right now uh, in this room, there's people that need to be set free from things that they have bound themselves to, things that they have either by lifestyle, choice or not choice, things that have happened to that they are bound by that without you there will not be freedom. And so, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would show us the freedom that you've made for us. By the cross. And so Lord as we worship you. As we close our service. Lord I pray that you would in us. Bring life. Bring life. To us. Lord I pray that right now in Jesus name. That we would experience the goodness and glory. That you offer your children. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.